Mark chapter number 3, verse 13 through to verse 19. We're still continuing with our journey, the Great Commission, the Great Commission. Verse 13, read with me. And he goes up and into a mountain and called unto him whom he would. And they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. And Simon, his son named Peter, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, and his son named them Boanagans, which is the sons of thunder, and Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphas, and Theodos, and Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him. And they went into a house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have been looking at the Great Commission, and this month has been a month of the Great Commission. I believe what the women were doing yesterday is part of the Great Commission. So it's done differently, different style, and you reach out to different people at different levels. Hallelujah. At the end of the day, it's all about spreading the good news. We are about spreading the good news to the poor. Jesus Christ, according to Luke chapter 4 verse 18, he presented his manifesto. And he stood up and he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. And he talks about to announce the year of the Lord's favor, to release the prisoners. And all this is found in the Great Commission. Hallelujah. Jesus was so specific and he was focused in everything that he was doing. He knew what he wanted. So right from the beginning, the passage we have read, he said, he called out of the crowd, out of the multitude, he selected those that should go with him and those that he should send out. He called them so that he may spend time with them. And afterward, he should send them out. Hallelujah. So in everything that they were going through, the training that they were going through, the lesson they were going through, the experiences, the exposure, and everything that they were going through, it was all mounting up to one thing, the Great Commission, so that he may send them out. So that he may send them out. So everything that he was doing was so deliberate. He was preparing them so that he may send them out. So everything was not about them, but it was about soul winning. Everything that Christ was doing, he was preparing them to be people that will win souls. And we see it actually manifesting itself right from the beginning of the great church, the day of Pentecost. 
The day of Pentecost was the day when the, 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 the children of Israel would celebrate the first fruits, their harvest time. And, and this was a great feast for them. And they would gather and have a wonderful time. And on that particular day, which was 50 days from the day of his death, uh, from his resurrection, up to the time, uh, after ascension, up to the time of the Holy Spirit coming upon the church, there were 50 days from that. And that was the day of Pentecost. You know, God does not miss his calculation. He's so precise. <laughs> so precise. On the day of atonement, Christ died. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. So he's so precise in everything that he does. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So in our study, looking at the method that Jesus Christ was using to prepare people for great commission, we looked at three areas which we find in the passage we have read. The first one was selection. The second one was association. The third one was consecration. Selection, he selected them. Association, he associated with them for three years. Consecration, he taught them obedience and he set them apart and they were ready to obey him and to do what he called them to do. But from today, I prepared three, but I can see that I can't manage three. So only handle one, impartation. Impartation. So there's impartation, then there is demonstration, delegation, supervision, reproduction, which is eight. But we may not go that far because of time. So we'll dwell mainly on the next one, which is impartation. Impartation is connected to the coming down of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit being impacted upon the church. So I thought we just end with that one because I don't think we can manage to go through the others as well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he called them out from the crowd. He selected them. And then he associated himself with them. And he helped them to learn obedience, consecration. And from there, he had to impart. Impartation. To impart. To give. Those of you who use the dictionary, you are talking about to give, to bestow, to confer, to grant, to lend, accord, afford, provide, supply, offer, yield, contribute. To impart, you are talking about to communicate, to pass on, to convey, to transmit, relay, relate recount so all these terms are similar to impartation when we're talking about someone is imparted has imparted something paul writes about timothy saying remember the time when the elders laid hands on you they imparted gifts upon you they deposited gifts upon you now these are gifts which they have and they transfer from themselves into you that's why we normally say you need to be very careful with the people that lay hands on you. Because sometimes you may end up actually getting their weaknesses. So that's why you need to be very careful and you need to be very sure about a person who lays hands on you. Because you don't want to start struggling 
with the same challenges that they are going through. Because that happened. There is what we call transparency, impartation. So as you lay your hands on someone, you are transferring something from yourself into that person. So if this person has a bad spirit or a bad temper, suddenly, out of nowhere, you begin to have bad temper, hot temper. Things fly in the house when you get angry. <laughs> and you begin to wonder, what has happened? Where is this coming from? But we thank God, Jesus Christ had to impart good spirit into the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we are talking about the impartation of good things that God had prepared, transferring or conferring or communicating or passing on things that are enriching, things that will help you to get better and to do things better. He picked people who were nobodies in the society so that he may impart them, so that he may transfer a part of himself into them, so that he may deposit himself into them and imparting these people to such a level that they became giants in the entire Jerusalem. Those who met them afterwards, they even started wondering, who are these people? They asked that question. In some, somewhere in Acts, they say, these are the people who have turned Jerusalem upside down. These are the people who have changed the community. These are people who transform communities for the better. Why? Because their lives have been impacted with something greater and something bigger. Something beyond themselves. Something beyond their own ability. Something that they, they now stand and say, I can do all things because of Christ who, who, who lives in me. I can do all things because of Christ who abides in me. Hallelujah. These are the things that happen before they come to the the Holy Spirit coming upon them, there are things that Christ had to impact in them. Number one, he gave himself away. He gave himself away unto them. In John chapter number 15, John chapter number 15, verse 15, those of you who are writing, I'll read quickly. Uh, John 15, verse 15 and this is what it says henceforth i call you not servants for the servant knoweth not what his lord does but i have called you friends for all things that i have heard of my father i have made known unto you i do not call you servants anymore but i call you friends because I've impacted, I've imparted upon you all the things that I've heard and all the things that I have learned. John 17 verse 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Verse 8. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me and they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee and they have believed that thou didst send me. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. These people have believed. They have believed that you sent me. And now they are ready. 
because I've given myself to them. They are now ready. This is the priesthood prayer you find in John 17, where Christ was praying for the disciples. He said, I'm not just praying for them, but I'm praying for the whole world. But firstly, I'm praying for these that I called to be with me, the one that I had to associate with, the one that I have been teaching, I have been communicating things of the kingdom which are not known by other people. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I've given you keys. He gave them keys. Now, keys, you're talking about authority. He impacted their lives with authority. At some point, he actually said, all power and authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. And then he said, go ye therefore. When you talk about the Great Commission, he is actually delegating part of his authority to the church. And he said, I'm sending you now because I have that authority. So you go out in my power and you do this thing. I am now sending you out with this authority so that you may accomplish much. So he gave himself unto them. He gave his time. He gave everything about himself to them. Every time he was with them. These people, they were in class 24-7. For three years. I know with other schools, you go and you come back home. You even have holidays and breaks. But this, there was no break, there was no holiday. It was always learning, watching, observing, hearing, being impacted, being sent. You come back, you report, you go back, and just like that. They were constantly with him. They lived with him. They stayed with him. They were always with Christ. For that period of time, he gave himself unto them. Hallelujah. The compulsion of evangelism. He gave them to begin to realize that evangelism is a must. He showed it to them. He demonstrated it with them. So that they begin to understand that evangelism is something that cannot be delayed. It's something that must be done now. And now is the time. You have to do it now. So he was giving them that kind of agency in the evangelism. That this is not something that you can postpone. This is not something that you can delay. Because souls are dying. This is something that you have to do now. You have to go out now. If you don't go, those people out there who are dying every day, they are dying without Christ and they are going to hell. And their blood, that's what the Bible says, their blood will be held upon you for not doing what you are supposed to do. So they understood the message. And so Christ was demonstrating it to them. You read in uh, John chapter 4 verse 34. When the disciples came, they found Jesus speaking to that Samaritan woman. And they're trying to give him food. What did he say? He said, my food. <laughs> it's not this food. My food is to do the will of the Father. And to finish it. He said, that's my food. I have appetite for doing the will of the Father. Now, you, you are bringing me food and you think food is more important than the will of God. You think eating is more important than evangelism. That's what he was telling them. So think of your best meal. 
Hallelujah. Think of the three course meal that you have ever eaten. Hello? I know I'm making some people feel hungry now. Hallelujah. You think of that, and he's saying, the taste of that cannot be compared to so many. The value of that cannot be compared to so many. So he's telling them, say, my food is to do the will of the Father and to finish it. That's my food. So I'll be excited when I see this Samaritan woman being ushered into the kingdom of God. And for that particular day, that Samaritan woman went back and she brought the whole village back to Christ. One soul that Christ reached out to. He was demonstrating to them, say, this is how we do evangelism. It multiplies itself. You reach to one, and one will reach the other, and the other will reach the other, and eventually the whole village will hear about Christ. Hallelujah. You can't win the whole village alone. You can't win Livingstone alone. We can't win the whole city alone. That's why we have many others. We do our part and they do their part. Everyone does their part. Eventually, the fire of the gospel will spread in the whole city of Livingstone. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It's like you are in a relay. You know, in a relay race, each one is given the battle, eh? the starters. You have four of them. They are from different teams competing. So you carry your battle and you run with that and you have to pass it on to the next person. So you've done your 100 meters, you pass it on to the other person. That person also will run 100 meters, pass it on to the other person. And the same, until the last person has come back, then the first one has won. Hallelujah. That's what the scripture says. It says, even Abraham is still waiting. He hasn't won the rest. Until you and I have finished our rest. They are waiting. That's why you read in Hebrews, you say, there is a great crowd of witnesses that is waiting and watching and cheering. Because whatever they prayed for, they did not receive it then. They are waiting. They are waiting for you and I to finish our rest. And when we finish our rest, they will actually be shouting, we have won, we have won, we have won. So you don't disappoint them by dropping the battle of the way. Hallelujah. Amen. It should not stop with you. That's what he was telling the disciples. This evangelism must not end with you. It did not start with you. So it should not stop with you. Your job, your role is to pass it on. And Christ was communicating that with his own life. Demonstrating it with his own life. By applying it so that people were able to see it so that they can be able to emulate it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know if I'll finish even this part. It looks like too, too long again. I hope you are following. I've given you power and I've given you authority that you may do the thing that I was doing. That's what Christ was telling them. Another comforter. Christ was with them for a period of time. He comforted them. He taught them. He was physical with them. 
He rebuked them. He corrected them. He showed them the way. He taught them what to do. He sent them out and they followed. And all those things were done. And when he was, before he was taken up into heaven, he said, wait, I'll not be there physically with you, but I'll send you another comforter. I'll send you another helper. I'll send you someone who will replace me. And he will say, I must go. If I don't go, he will not come. So I must go so that he may come. And when he comes, you will know all things. I've taught you these things. I've explained these things to you. Certain things you are still puzzled with them because they are of the kingdom. They are spiritual and they need someone to descend them using the spirit. You may not understand them fully. But when the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the teacher, the comforter, the counselor, the enabler, the, the one that will encourage you, when he comes, he has so many functions that you'll be able to do in your life. And that's why in Acts chapter 1, he tells them, say, Tari, don't go. Don't go out there and be witnesses because you'll be beaten. Don't go out there and be witnesses without the presence of the Holy Spirit. So he tells them, go and wait until the promise of the Father has been sent upon you. And after that, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall become my witnesses, starting from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Hallelujah. He said, all this time, you were doing what you were doing because you were working under my grace. I will send, he sent the 72, you remember? He sent 72 of them, and they went out. When they came back, they were all excited. Oh, it was wonderful. We saw demons screaming. We saw the lame walking. We saw miracles happening. And he said, don't be happy about that, because I saw Satan falling from, the, from heaven like lightning. I was saying, all these things you were doing under my grace, under my anointing. <laughs> you know, when you are under someone's grace and someone's anointing, certain things begin to happen in your life. Are you following me? Hallelujah. This church has a certain grace upon it. Oh, you didn't know. Now you know. You operate in this church under a certain grace that is given. You step outside this church and go to another church. You begin to operate under that church, the grace of that church, and not this church. Are you following me? Some people within this ministry or within Jesus' ministry, they may have even felt that they are the greater here. They may have even felt, wow, see what I can do. I raised the dead. I was able to do this. And you know, sometimes that's where we have ended up with so many churches and so many ministries. Because you are under a particular grace. You pray for someone's headache and it goes. And the next thing you hear, Rhoda Ministry, International. <laughs> Forgetting that she was operating under this grace. Are you following me? And then 
so that she may attract the members from here. And not even one follows her. Then she gets frustrated. Okay, I'm using her because they don't want to point at you and then tomorrow you will not come back. <laughs> With that, we'll go and talk when we get home. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the disciples were operating under the grace of Christ. He sent them out, they went and they performed the miracles and they came back excited. Say, wow, see what happened. See the miracles, see the dead rising, see the blind eyes open. They didn't realize that actually they were operating under the grace of Christ. The prayers of Christ are the ones that were backing them. Christ was spending nights in prayer, not for himself. He was praying for them. He's God, remember? He's divine. But he had to petition the Father every day for them. So that when they go out to do what they are doing, they were doing it under his covering. Hallelujah. If they were to step outside Christ's covering, then that grace ceases. We have seen people get frustrated. They have stepped out of that particular grace and then they find things are not working. And then they begin now to go to Nganga's because they want to continue with that same grace and they get foreign spirits and they begin to use them. Magic has come in the church because of failure to understand this principle. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive power. Dunamist. And you'll be transformed. You'll be different. Certain things that you never used to understand, you begin to understand them. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you become a vibrant witness of Christ. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you begin to read the minds of people. Even before they say, you know what they're about to say. <laughs> Hallelujah. He prepares you with answers before they even ask the question. Sometimes you answer them before they even utter the question. Like Jesus Christ. The Bible says, before they even say it, because they were thinking in their heart. And Christ was able to explain it to them before they could even utter it. Who does that? The Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Have you wondered? Certain time you think about someone, and the moment before you even finish that thought, that person calls you. How many have gone through that? Aha. Uh -huh. You think it's you. You think it's your own ability? No. Uh -uh. The Holy Spirit is at work. Hallelujah. Amen. He enables you beyond the human enablement. He gives you special talents beyond what a human being can give you. You begin to operate at a different level from what you used to operate from. Now, you need to understand that without the Holy Spirit, you can't preach. Hallelujah. Yeah. I'm going away from my scripts. I need to go back. I must be a disciplined Presbyterian preacher. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He taught them all truth. He guided them. He showed them the way. That was Christ when he was there with them. Now he's saying, someone will come and take over my place. Now, when there is no Holy Spirit, you can't 
do evangelism. Without him, you can't do the work of evangelism. This work is the work of the Holy Spirit. There is no preaching without him. That's why in Luke chapter 4 verse 18, he begins by saying, the Spirit of God is upon me because he has anointed me to do what? To preach. Preaching without the Holy Spirit is dead. It's dry. It has no impact. It has no effect. Hallelujah. So we need the Holy Spirit for us to preach effectively. There is no conversion, genuine conversion, without the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 3 verse 5, he said the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, of judgment, and of righteousness. Without him, there is no conviction of sin. Oh, in John 3 verse 5, he said, unless one is born of water and the Spirit. So there's no conversion without the Holy Spirit. So for you to be born again, the Holy Spirit must be at work. If he's not there, there is no being born again. One can claim and stand and say, I'm born again. But if the Holy Spirit has not worked there, there is no birth that has taken place. Hallelujah. That's why we have many people who claim that they are Christians, yet they are not, because maybe they did not experience this new birth. And no wonder there is no change in their lives. No conviction of sin. According to John chapter 16, verse 8, the Holy Spirit convicts them. Without him, there is no power. Power does not lie in shouting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Though preachers, we shout a lot. Because that's when we feel like we are preached. But that's not where power lies. Hallelujah. The power lies in the work of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Without him, there is no truth. Is the spirit of truth. He will lead you in all truth. That's what John chapter 14 verse 17 said. He's the spirit of truth. He will give you the truth. You become truthful. You will not pretend. You begin to live by truth. Your actions are true. There is no hypocrisy or pretense in what you do. He is the spirit of peace. He gives you peace in John chapter 20, verse 22. Start from 21. Again, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so also I am sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sin, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. He is the spirit of peace. You might be in the midst of trouble, but you'll still be calm. You might be facing challenges, but the spirit of truth and peace dwelling in you will give you peace that the world can never give. You might be going through times of mourning, but the spirit of comfort will comfort you and he will counsel you. He will help you. We need the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We need the Holy Spirit more than before. We need him more than ever. He's the one who knows how to awaken the passion in you for souls. He's the one who knows how to carry you. 
is the one who understands you better. Now, you need to understand. He understands you and he understands God. He reads the mind of God and he brings it down to you. So that you can also understand the mind of God. He is the spirit of revelation. He reveals things, mysteries. We talk about the scripture saying, Call out to you and I'll answer you. I'll show you great and marvelous things that you know nothing about. Revelation. Those things are only revealed by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who reveals them and he will reveal them unto you. Hallelujah. The day of Pentecost came and the Bible says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all gathered in one room and the Spirit of God came upon them like flames of fire and they spoke in time. You see the first conversion taking place, genuine conversion taking place of people who respond to the message that is preached by Peter. Powerful sermon. 3,000 souls served in one day. Imagine. The power of the Holy Spirit was at work and activated in the lives of the disciples. Who would want to see that? I would love to see more of that. I would love to see more, more people being full of the Holy Spirit and operating under the Holy Spirit, working under the power of the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to be the one to guide you and to lead you. You allow him to do that, you'll be surprised how much results that you'll be able to do, how much you'll do for the kingdom of God. But when you grieve him, you annoy him, you keep him outside, then you begin to operate in the flesh. Allow the Spirit of God wait upon Him so that your life can be transformed. Wait upon Him so that He can use you mightily because He has a purpose for you. Great works that you want to do in your life. All that you need to do is to allow Him, the Holy Spirit, to take over your life. Everyone stand to your feet. want you to give yourself to the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to fill you again. The Bible says be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a continuous process. I know some of you are saying, but I've already received the Holy Spirit. I know. I have also. But they say, the Bible says be filled. It's a continuous process. Even today you can allow him to fill you again. You can allow him to baptize you again. You can ask him to come upon you again. And you can allow him to take over again burning whatever needs to be burned in your life so that your life can be vibrant and your life can be committed again to the lord sing with us as we worship god together and just open yourself to the lord